This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Covered California knows that one moment can change your life. That moment you say, I do. That moment you meet your baby for the first time. Or even that moment you lose your job and your health insurance along with it. For those times when life changes, we've got you covered. Covered California lets you choose from brand name health plans, and you may even get help paying for it. Your enrollment period is limited, so find out if you qualify by getting free expert help at CoveredCA.com today. Covered California. It's more than just health care. It's life care. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. 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 Let it bump go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you, as always, with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome-time-to-awesome, mega-fantastic co-host, Andy Bailey. Um, We have a lot to get to today. We're we're finishing up our All-Star Draft now that the reserves have been announced. We're also going to talk about All-Star snubs. We have a lot going on with the Spurs and the Cavaliers, and Jason Kidd was fired. Before we really just... Jump in to the fray, though. Uh, we would like to remind you, to implore you, to beg you, to please visit iTunes and give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. We appreciate it beyond measure. I can't exactly put into words how much it helps us out and really lets us know that we're either doing a good job or just getting feedback from you guys. Or Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be five-hour energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Or helps us know that people are listening, so please take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. Um, and rate, review, and subscribe to us. If you've already done that, we're not opposed to you stealing people's phones and rating, reviewing, and subscribing us to them. They'll thank you. And just you know, tell your friends about it. Pimp it on Twitter. Let everybody know um, that you listen to us. Uh, and, and yeah, just go from there. So we would really appreciate that as always. Now the question everyone is always waiting for, how are you doing tonight, Andy? I'm doing good. Uh, ready to talk about some... NBA All-Star stuff and and a lot more than that. This like last two days has been kind of wild in terms of NBA rumor mill stuff, so that's always fun. Just like news from Chris Haynes of ESPN.com that Damian Lillard met with Blazers owner Paul Allen and wanted to know why he traded Will Barton in 2015. <laughs> like that was That one was real surprising. That was hysterical. Uh, but yeah, it was just everything was just coming out at once. Um so before we get to the All-Stars, I, I want to start with it. The news is a little bit more than a day old right now. The Bucks fired Jason Kidd um, on Monday. It wasn't surprising insofar that the decision was made at all, but it was surprising 
that perhaps it came during the middle of the season because it, it seemed more, you know, workplace politics driven than anything else since they're going to have Prunty coach the team for the rest of the year, it seems. Um, I've just, let, let's throw it to you. What were your, what were your kind of thoughts? Were you shocked? Do you think it was the right move? Do you think the Bucks are going to be a lot better from here? So, yeah, I, I also wasn't shocked, um, by just the fact that he got fired, but the timing was weird, which you already brought up. Um, there was some, it seemed like there was some conflicting reports right off the top that maybe Giannis knew or didn't know. Maybe Jason Kidd knew or didn't know before, Woj broke it, so it seemed like there was, in terms of just tact, it probably could have been handled better. And the other thing that's kind of weird to me is they have a – how old is Giannis Antetokounmpo now? Like 22? Um, i got to look this up. He's 23. You have a consensus top five player on your team who's under the age of 25, and it doesn't seem like he was really consulted on this, and it's not something that he was um, – in favor of, and I'm not. I'm not saying that you have to let your young superstar control the team. I don't think that you should, but he's got to at least be consulted on this, right? You don't have to make it the end all, be all, I guess, but you should probably tell him that it's going to happen. But doesn't it seem like you know Ramona Shelburne from ESPN was tweeting like kids, like, like he gave this interview after it happened, and it sounded like Giannis told kid he was going to get fired, or they were speaking. And he was like trying to. He was like telling them i'll plead with management on your behalf too right i mean first of all that was the one of the weirdest things ever because it's like one did Giannis appreciate kids sharing that that's like pretty intimate yeah intel. that's true um the other thing is now you've kind of torts bridges on the way out um a lot of people have said this they don't think kid will coach in the nba again meanwhile he comes out and says he awaits his next opportunity maybe he can coach the balls he's, in lithuania at some point he's got to come back through like He's got to start off as an assistant, right? Right. I mean, because he was so, one of the issues with the Bucks was just he was so stubborn, and that's what their, you know, Bucks Twitter seemed to have the biggest problem with. But so the other thing to that interview that he said is now what you've also done is you set it up so that the outside world knows that even if it's by default, even if it's implicit, Attentacumpo and the front office are now kind of at odds, and maybe this works out yeah. where they. Perhaps they hire David Fisdell over the summer, and he he shows that the Bucks can be some version of that Warriors team that didn't become what they are now until they subbed out Mark Jackson for Steve Kerr. I don't think they'll. It won't happen like to that degree, but the Bucks on paper, you can. And when you look at some of their most used lineups and what their net ratings are and how they could theoretically play, you can talk yourselves into kind of a similar leap. But if it doesn't. You know, now all of a sudden, if you haven't won a playoff series by the end of next year, Atentacumpo is a free agent in two years, and you've created this situation for yourself that was in part aided by Kid's departure because of what he said on the way out. So, so that was just uh, super messy. Yeah, it was weird. I, I like I said, I think they could have. It just seems like they could have handled it better. But like we both said at the top, I it doesn't seem like Kid was the guy. Um, for this team. And so, it, I mean, if this was eventually going to happen, I just feel like they could have handled it better. Well, it it is kind of weird that randomly, like, all these guys who we who we never thought would have sort of personal issues with management, Giannis, Kawhi, and Lillard, all, like, all of a sudden <laughs> have issues. I, I, I don't think people would have predicted any of those three, like, a month ago even. 
Right, and in the case of the the Blazers, it seems like they've just been content treading water in the middle of the West, so maybe it was inevitable with Damian Lillard. The Kawhi Spurs stuff, as we'll talk about later, is just, like, that's just, like, I don't know, blows my mind. The Bucks stuff, like, it's, as you said, they could have handled this so much better, and even you have general manager John Horst coming out yesterday and saying, you know, this was basically a decision that we made on a whim. And whether you believe him or not, like, to say that is just not... Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, oh, so you didn't put any thought into it? And it kind of, you know, the the rumor going around after the fact was that Kidd originally arrived as, like, an ownership favorite, and he just lost all of that power and, and influence um, over the past year or so. And I, my guess would be is that a lot of it just had to do with we keep coming back to the stubbornness. Like, he had – he coached one good defensive team, and he just never ditched that hyper-aggressive – scheme on the less glamorous end and even this year it kind of started to look like they were accounting at some point in the year anyway like mid-year they were trying to like dissuade corner three-point looks more but their three-point defense was still bad they give up more looks at the rim than anyone in the league and like get away from it you're you're bottom five in points allowed per 100 possessions right now and then the offense which was always weird to me it seemed just too prided on individual talent. Like, it didn't seem like there was anything complicated going on in the offensive end. They just have so, so many good half-court scorers like Eric Bledsoe and Giannis Attentacumpo, and they probably should, well, to me at least, they should be playing a hell of a lot faster than they do. And even when they look to kind of push the pace, they are third in fast-break frequency, but they're 13th in point-scored um, per 100 of those plays per cleaning the glass is what, is what I found yesterday. So it's it's like... Those things are tactical, and it seems like they can adjust. They can shoot more threes as they should. They can make sure they're trying to wall off more looks at the rim. But there's also a talent issue here, is there not? Like, I don't think you look at the Bucks and say they should be 7th or 8th in the East or be worried about making the lottery. But can you also say, hey, they're a lot better than the Heat or the Wizards, or they should be in the conversation for a number 3 seed? Um, talent-wise, I actually thought they would be a little bit better, at least before the season started. Like I said, I think Giannis is a like clear-cut top-five player. And if somebody disagrees with that, I, I can't imagine they would have him lower than top ten. Right. Um, and usually that level of a player kind of carries the day. And I think I think Middleton is good. Um, I think Bledsoe was a good addition for them. I There are some interesting sort of fit issues. I don't think you have a ton of spacing when you play Bledsoe and Henson and Anadokupo together. Um, like you said, maybe they'll start shooting some more threes now, and maybe that'll alleviate some of that. But I just, I thought with the talent at the top, especially Anadokupo, who uh, in the opening like couple weeks of the season, he looked like a very legit MVP candidate. Um, I, I didn't think they would be hovering around eighth. I, like you said, I'm not sure. I also would have been confident in them being like third or fourth, but. I, I actually thought they would be closer to that than what they currently are, and I, it's the Bucks obviously must have thought that too. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have fired Jason Kidd. But maybe, maybe I just put a little bit too much stock into this roster before the season started. Because when you when when you do look at it objectively now, yeah, there, there's certainly some fit issues, and they can get better in the bench. And it'll be interesting now to see the other um, kind of pivoting. The other thing that's interesting with the Bucks is. Are they are they still buyers at the deadline? Does this change their outlook on the season at all? I think that's going to be kind of the next 
interesting story. What happens when Jabari Parker comes back? Um, I mean, there were people trying to take to the trade machine to get him a couple weeks ago. Is that is that going to be off the table now? Um, I, I just think there's a lot of interesting questions still to be answered in a season that I think they they probably thought they would take a step forward, and it's to me this it all of a sudden it's now sort of an experimentation type year. I think there's still going to be buyers because why else would you fire Jason Kidd? Like, yeah, it you know, seems like a this decision. Like a, yeah, this, go ahead. This decision, even if it, it was, it seems like it was again petty politics driven to some extent, but it says a lot about their view of themselves, and they are a tough team to figure out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some numbers at you before we get into like their buyer stuff. Um, they're 16 and 11 in games in which neither side is trailing or leading by more than five points um, entering the final five minutes. So they're 16 and 11 in crunch time games, which which isn't bad. It's actually decidedly good. They yeah. have a top five net rating in crunch time. Um, their most used lineups are like ridiculous. So all five of their most used lineups are substantial pluses. Four of those five are outscoring opponents by at least 11 points per 100 possessions. So like... Wait, say that again. Sorry. Four of all five of their most used lineups are substantial pluses, but four of those five are outscoring opponents by at least 11 points per 100 possessions. So, like, that's absurd, and it kind of supports the theory, like you say, oh, you would think they'd be closer to third than eighth, but the issue is, and you like, one of the issues, and you sort of alleviated to it, is getting rid of Jason Kidd doesn't help the bench. Like, losing Mirza Tiletovic was out of his control, not having Parker, who if you start him, then you, you know you're going to have an extra wing coming off the bench, like, that's beyond his control, too, and the Bucks are 29th in second unit point differential per 100 possessions. That's not, that'll improve probably once Parker comes back and the rotation's deeper in general, but that's not on kid and can you really fault him for them being a bottom five rebounding team when they just don't have size they've been in the market for size and so things like that aren't going to change and i won't argue that Giannis Antetokounmpo is a top five superstar but the bucks aren't depth still matters in today's nba and we the bucks statistically they just collapse when he's not on the floor and that's been another issue is malcolm brogdon's kind of regressed um and i'm, I'm probably late to this party but except like, for just in like the last week yeah he said but like, like his one-on-one yeah, defense hasn't been as good. Um, he can lead strong offensive units when Bledsoe and Attentacumpo aren't on the floor, but the defense is just a disaster. And so that's going to hurt them, and those issues aren't going to be addressed like without kids. So uh, to me, if you want to still make the most of this season and you're not trying to do that by hiring another coach right now, which they're not per all those reports, then you have to be buyers at the trade deadline. And I think Mark Stein over the New York Times said they're still looking to make roster upgrades. The last thing I'll say is they can't like the substantial up, like the upgrades they can make, like it's it's not going to be a DeAndre Jordan deal unless you're giving up Parker, Thonmaker, and even if you do, you don't have like the appealing salary matching fodder. Like you, you're not going to give up John Henson in a DeAndre Jordan trade because that kind of defeats the purpose of boosting your size. Because now DeAndre Jordan's your basically lone big man, and no one wants Delavadova. They probably don't want Toledovich. So so they're in a, a very tough spot. Do they even have anybody who's expiring? No. I, just, I was actually just looking at deals with them before, and spoiler alert, there's going to be an article tomorrow published by me that sent them Enos Cantor. Um, <laughs> so, but like, so, I mean, their most valuable, expendable contract is probably Jabari Parker. 
because he's technically expiring since he's coming up on restricted free agency. And you give don't him want to me. give him to the Jazz. Yeah, and like so after him, you have like Rashad Vaughn's one point nine million isn't getting you anything. You probably don't want to no. trade the Snell in the first year of his four year deal. Toledovich is interesting because he's owed ten point five million this year and next. And if you're getting back someone with big money, maybe you can talk a team into taking him on. But he's not, you know, he's not an asset. He's maybe like no. a, like a team, another team I view him as a nice last ditching salary tool. Um, so they're not looking at noticeable upgrades, and if, if they fully believe that a new coach was going to change the culture and the way they're developing their players, they're kind of punting on this season a little bit, saying this is where we lie. I, I just don't think they're doing that because of everything they said. Like they, they clearly expect to be somewhere else, and the fact that they're not definitely factored into this decision. Well, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, I, I think they'll sort of clarify their answer on that as the trade deadline comes and goes. Um, do you think so? My last question on this would be: Where do you think they end up in the Eastern Conference playoff ladder? Uh, I got. Let me pull up the standings real quick. Uh, where are they right now? Eighth, seventh, and they're a half game in front Who's of that? the eighth place Sixers, a half game behind the seventh place Pacers, a game behind the fifth place Wizards, two games, uh, two and a half games behind the fourth place Heat, and three and a half behind the third place Cavaliers. So they're like they're still in striking distance to do something yeah. substantial. I'm gonna say they. I'm gonna say they at least pass the Pacers. That doesn't sound like much of a leap. <laughs> I'll I'll say fifth, just to be like a little bit more optimistic. I'm gonna say sixth or seventh. It's a hedge. If I had to pick one, I'd say sixth, and that'd be really funny if that sets up a first round matchup with the Cavaliers. Which basically, I know Cleveland's a shit show, but that basically ensures you're going home in the first round. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Um, but that buck stuff is out of the way. Uh, well, I guess really one more last quick question. Is it just, if you had to predict or hope that a coach gets hired by Milwaukee, we talked about this two months ago, that Fisdale would be great there. Is he still your, your top choice for this team? Yeah, you brought up Fisdale. I think that's a very, uh, something that they'll almost certainly have to explore. Um, Ettore Messina, I think his name will come up a lot in future, uh, openings, current, uh, assistant for the Spurs. Oh, and then all of a sudden Another, Milwaukee has the inside track on trading for Kawhi. Nice. There you go. Um, I like Igor Kokoshkov. He uh, is an assistant for the Jazz, and he was the head coach of the Slovenian team that won Eurobasket this year. Nobody nobody expected Slovenia to win. Um, that team that had Luka Doncic and Goran Dragic, I think he, he might be an up-and-coming name here in the, the next couple of years, but I think the leader in the clubhouse um, – at least at this very, very early stage, it, it's, it might be uh, Fisdale. I can't tell. There was so much of this on Twitter about how the Bucks need to call Mark Jackson, and I, I couldn't tell if it was Chuck sure and cheek or not. I hope they don't, though. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because a lot of people want Mark Jackson just to get hired so he's um, no longer calling those games. <laughs> <laughs> I well, felt bad like as that was coming out of my mouth. So, Well, I just don't think he's a... A good fit for the Bucks, and we can leave no, it there. Sure. Um, so the All-Star Reserves have been announced, um, and I'm just going to run through them really quickly for the East and West. Uh, reserves for the East, Kyle Lowry, Bradley Beal, John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Kevin Love, Kristaps Porzingis, Al Horford. Reserves for the West, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, LaMarcus Aldridge, Draymond Green, Carl Anthony Towns. Before we get into finishing our draft and refreshing what our starting lineups are as of now, um, 
were there any noticeable snubs for you? And this is, you know, we'll pre- everyone says this disclaimer, like it's hard to really come up with all-star snubs because I don't think you look at any of the, the 14 players I just named and say, wow, they didn't really deserve it. Um, but there are, in cases, I think you, you could make certain arguments for some players over other players that did make it. Yeah, um, we were talking about this before we started recording, and I... Um, not that this is how I would select All-Stars if, if it was up to me. I just think it's an interesting thought exercise. I broke down what the All-Star rosters would be if they were chosen by real plus minus wins, which is ESPN's sort of catch-all, uh, wins over replacement, which is the cumulative form of box plus minus, which you see me talk about all the time on mm-hmm. Twitter. I'm like a box plus minus troll. Um, and then win shares, which I think most people are probably at least somewhat familiar with Andre Drummond and Kimball Walker made it by all three of those measures. So I think that's to me, it's pretty safe to say that those guys are snubs. Um, John wall and, and Porzingis did not make it by any of those measures. And like I said, I, I'm not necessarily saying that them being on the team is wrong. Um, I just think there was probably a stronger statistical argument for, Drummond and Walker. And I guess what probably hurts Walker uh, is the fact that Charlotte just hasn't been very good all season. And I think Detroit is now under 502, so maybe that goes against Drummond. Um, before, I, I, I think this is kind of interesting. Is Do you think it's super important for All-Stars to be on teams with winning records? No. I, I think there's something to rewarding guys who are from those teams that don't necessarily put up the I mean Al Horford's probably a good case because if you want to really go with the individual counting stats he wouldn't be like his stat lines are crazy but they don't pop off the page to people the way that they he also made it on all three of those um charts just to right so but I'm saying like I I do see the value in rewarding it but it's like I don't think I'm not going to be up in arms because the Pelicans for instance they're not a dominant team but they have two all-stars they have two of the yeah the three best big men in the game like so it's to me it's more of an individual thing um and I'm not I'm not penalizing anybody from coming from a bad team yeah I don't think I would either um and the the only reason I ask is because I think I can't think of many other reasons that, it, like, for example, Kemba Walker would be out. I, I think it's so Kemba, widely known throughout the league that he is the only thing keeping that team even, like, close to a float. I think what kind of did Kemba in is so he missed two games with a shoulder injury at the end of November into early December. And since then, he's made 24 appearances, and he's shooting 40.4% from the field and 33% from three. And he's been, but what are like what are Porzingis's splits over the last two or three? Well, weeks, that, I mean, but that's my. I would still pick Kemba over him, and this is yeah. an interesting factoid on Porzingis. So, um, since December twenty first, when he returned from a two game absence, he has a forty eight point two true shooting percentage. Ooh. Would you like to know what? Like that's almost as bad as Marcus Smart's true shooting percentage in that and he's, span. He's basically like neck and neck with Michael Beasley in raw production for the last like month plus, right? Right. So it's there, there's certainly a case against him, and I would, for the East, I would have rather have seen um, Andre Drummond or Kemba Walker over both Wall and Porzingis, I think. I, it's, I feel like Porzingis is an all-star, but like his fall-off, while it's Knicks-driven, I still don't think they use him properly, and having Tim Hardaway yeah. miss so much time definitely hurt. But 
But still, like those would be the two I would have immediately went with. Um, but I would take, I will say this, I would take Porzingis off the All-Star team before I'd take off Kevin Love, probably. Yeah, I probably would too. Um, so another thing I did was I took those three majors and then I averaged the players' ranks in those and I did a, an All-Star team by that too. And just for the sake of argument, some guys who made it that didn't make the real All-Star team. Um, we already mentioned Drum- Drummond and Walker. Otto Porter, um, who's he's been, at least by these kind of numbers, has been more impactful than John Wall this season. And he was more impactful than Beal was last season. I, I still think he's kind of flying under the radar. I, I probably wouldn't select him to an All-Star team if it was up to me. And then the one that's super interesting is Jason Tatum somehow snuck in by these measures. So that's, um, again, probably not somebody I would actually put on there. It's just interesting to see. Do you want to Do you want to hear how the West shook out? I absolutely do want to hear how the West shook out. Oh, wait, are you at all per- perturbed for the, to wrap this up in the East that Ben Simmons did not make it? Um, a little bit. Uh, let me ho- hold on one second. He did make it by one of these. Um, let me just see. We, oh, if it was selected by wins over replacement player, so the box plus minus one, he would have gotten in. But that's the only one he, he got in by. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like in most years, a guy averaging, what is he at now, like 17, 7, and 7? Yeah, basically he's there. For, for a team that's, I think they have moved up to, let's see, they are now in, oh, they're in eighth. I thought they were higher than that, but still a playoff team um he's a fairly high profile guy he's at 16 8 and 7 so he's what, i'm in a little i'm a little surprised i i might put him in over kevin love honestly his rebounding numbers have kind of declined um like since the beginning of the year the other a few other things that possibly did him in is one if you're going to reward players from really good teams like the Sixers haven't necessarily been in the playoff race all year. They've been vacillating in and out of like those seven, eight yeah. spots in the East. His free throw shooting is horrid. He doesn't shoot threes. And if they dig this deeply, the Sixers are not good when he plays out with Joel Embiid. And then the fact, you know, the argument we use against that, well, he's a rookie. This is impressive. Coaches, I feel like, are just reluctant in general to vote rookies in as well. I wouldn't have put him, him and Kevin Love probably would have been dead even for me. Probably same with him and Porzingis. I don't really have a problem. And I'm not even just using the rookie argument against him. Yeah, um, just for the sake of argument, I pulled those two up. Kevin Love has a pretty huge advantage over Simmons and PER, pretty huge advantage in win shares per 48, but Simmons actually more than doubles Love's box plus minus. Um, I guess it just comes down to <laughs> what you personally prefer. I mean, Love's averaging 19.9, so, I mean, it's it's tough to quibble over that, and shooting 40% from three, um, and he was just berated by his teammates, so... Maybe we should just let him in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear about. Speaking of other news, that was wild. Um, okay, the West. So the guy, the guys that got in, if we take the average of those three numbers that did not get in in real life, I'm pretty sure the only two are Chris Paul and Nikola Jokic, which would have bumped. Um, Clay Thompson and LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge needs to get in for me just because it, it, I'm probably playing the, the one. He's been ridiculous. And two, I don't know how you don't reward the Spurs for being on pace to win 50 plus games without 
Kawhi Leonard for most of this year. Yeah, this comes back to the question like, how much is the team? Like, how important is the team's record? I and mean, I, I think I just been absurd. Yeah, and I also think I agree with you that the team that's basically been in second or third for or, or third for really the whole season in the West probably deserves an all star. The other thing that I found fascinating is that Aldridge is averaging the second most points per 36 minutes of his career. He just maybe a few weeks ago he was he I was, was posting a bunch high. of career highs. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's and having he's an amazing just, He's shooting season. 50 plus percent on fadeaways. He was the other day I checked that maybe this has changed. He's shooting 75% on fadeaway bank shots. Fadeaway bank shots. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely wild. Um yeah, I I him getting in over Jokic is probably the I mean, the advanced numbers still love Jokic, but there's been something that's just sort of a little bit of a letdown from him this season. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Mike Malone just continues to persist with this Jokic Plumley front court. Not a fan, um, especially with the way like just all Trey Lyles, Jokic, everything. Just yeah. And when you pull apart lineups and and look at Jokic's numbers when he's not on the floor with another big guy or with another center, um, he's the player that he was last year, like twenty ten and five. I I don't know why you don't want that guy on the <laughs> floor. Um, so that's crazy to me. But I I still think I'd probably have Aldridge in ahead of him, even though the advanced stats still love Jokic so much. Um, I think Clay Thompson is always an interesting case. Uh, do, are you fine with him? I mean, I'm fine with him getting in. What What about you? I'm fine with him getting in too. Would you, I mean, would you rather see like Chris Paul in there? That's kind of up for debate. The thing, the thing about Chris Paul is all the time that he missed. Right. That definitely hurts. I, Clay Thompson, to me, it went from he's, to, to me, it went from he's overrated defensively to I, I, I just feel like he's underappreciated I, for the body of work that he does. And the thing that I'm just going to take into account, like, the guy is 27, and he's basically, when you factor in how the Warriors let Draymond Green finish plays as a passer, he's essentially Golden State's fourth option, and he's, like, content to, to not just do it, but, like, he, he owns it. Like, he just moves off the ball so much. He tackles so many difficult defensive assignments, and I think he's more important than ever this year because if if we can be frank, Andre Godala has not been good. His jumper mm-hmm. is gone. He's still leading, like, really good bench units. But his defense is just off and on more than ever. Uh, Clay Thompson matters to the Warriors, I think, than most people believe. And, you know, when you have Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry and even Draymond Green missing some time and he's out here appearing in 46 of their games already, uh, like, I, I don't know, you have to appreciate it. And his, uh, you know, according to best records, his 45.3% clip from three, that leads the league. And he's, t- he's taking over seven attempts per game there, which amounts to uh, 7.8 attempts per 36 minutes. Like, that's just, he's good. I don't have a problem with him there. And if it's not for Paul, I don't know who else you would necessarily put there. Like, so, if we were doing wild cards, maybe Jokic? Yeah, that's what I was going to get into next. I Like I said, I don't really have a problem with him getting in either. I've kind of argued over the last few years that I do think he's a good defender. I, I don't think he does anything besides catch and shoot really offensively, but he's so good at it that it's like, what else do you want him to do, really? Um, and I appreciate, and I'll just read it, I appreciate the work he puts in as a cutter. Like, to know that you're not always going to get the, the ball either. Like, yeah, I the think, movement off the ball is awesome. And I think that's the kind of thing that stands out to coaches who oh, make these sure. picks. Um, Real plus minus would have put Gary Harris in, who I don't think I would have taken over Clay Thompson, although he's been really good. Real plus minus also put Drew Holiday in. 
Um, oh my god! I yeah, which is that one surprised me, and so Pelican I don't think Cody. I would have taken him over Clay either. And then that would have given you three Pelicans on the All Star team, which would have <laughs> just been imagine? wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wins over replacement player. This one might surprise you even more than Holiday. That put Tyreek Evans in. I don't think no. Which is super interesting. It's I don't um, given his performance. I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, you said real plus minus, right? That one was wins over replacement player. That actually is a little bit. I mean, if they're accounting for the quality of teammates he's on the floor with, because the Grizzlies have been like suck to the sucketh power. Uh, Tyreek Evans has been fantastic this year. Yeah, uh, but again, I don't think I'm putting him in over Clay Thompson, especially with how bad the Grizzlies are. And that that get back to the question of how important his record. Winchairs was funny. Um, Winchairs put in Stephen Adams, Clint Capella, and DeAndre Jordan. So we, I, I'm obviously not big on that one. Um, did a few, too many rim- pop up in any of these? Some people. He did not, out. which was interesting because he he's been talked about a lot here in the last couple hours about being one of the biggest snubs, and I think he's right on the edge of all three of them. But no, he does not show up in any of these charts. Um, it would have just been fun to have him in there, so you get like those rando, just like one off all star performances. Like, oh, like you look it up later. Oh, Lou Williams had an all star performance. Yeah. It's like Devin and Harris not... has an all star, or, or is that Mo Williams? There's a Devin Harris, Devin Harris one. Yeah, yeah, he has like, one. Like, those are fun. That... I would have been fine with him getting in. Um, but in, anyway, those are the guys you could say might contend with Clay Thompson, and, and I, I'm fine with him getting in and over any of those guys. Yeah, I think I'm with you. We're, we're kind of on the same page there. I'm a little bit higher on Kristaps this season than I think you were when we're looking at the East specifically, but those were probably – those are really like the only things that you could maybe kind of gripe about. And like you said, it's it's like razor thin when you get to the top of the right. NBA, and that's that's the common caveat that everyone shares, but it really is true. Um, do we want to move on to finishing off our all-star draft? Let's do it. I think it is you picked first, right? So it's back to you. Now, do we do we want to just do it where you get the first pick since you were just left with like cousins last time? Hey, I, I'll do, I'll take it. Yeah, let's just <laughs> uh, irrespective of how it's actually going to go down. Um, so let just three hash my starting lineup right now. I am Team LeBron, and I have LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kyrie Irving, and Joel Embiid. You are Team Steph. You have Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, and DeMarcus Cousins. All right, I'm going to take Jimmy Butler. That's a good pick. He um, he is a guy that I think could have been a starter. Um, if we look again at those charts where I averaged everybody's rank, he is a starter. He's actually a starter by real plus minus wins over replacement player, win shares, and the average. Um, so, I mean, he, he came out near the top in everything. He's been ridiculous this season. He's been out for a little bit lately. Um, but I think the, the, uh, the Timberwolf season completely hinged on when he took over the team. Um, 22 points, 5.4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals a game with a... Effective field goal percentage of fifty one point four. He's he's just been absurd. He's so over his last, and I'm I know this sounds random, but November nineteenth, um, in their loss to Detroit, he played about forty two minutes, and that seemed like the turning point. It was thirteen games into the season where the Timberwolves were like, 
you know, screw this, like Jimmy Butler has to be our guy. So since then, in 32 games, uh, 32 so 32 appearances, he's averaging 37 minutes a game, but he's slashing 50% shooting, 35.7% from three, which is a big deal to a team like the Timberwolves, 87.4% yeah. from the foul line. He's averaging 24 points. And he gets there a lot, right? In crunch time, he like averages a zillion, I'm pretty sure this is exact, a zillion free throw <laughs> attempts for 36 minutes. And the other thing, during this stretch, 5.1 assists per game, 2.2 steals per game like he's just i was hoping i voted him i think when we did a mock one i wanted him as a starter in the front court and when we did player rankings at bleacher report adam from and i we classified him as a small forward because cleaning the glass um says that he's played most of his minutes there but it's that's you know, where i've been putting him too yeah so he he is he's a phenomenal pick yeah and i think he fits pretty well with what i've got i'm gonna take cousins out pretty early in the game and throw butler in there <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to go with. I was kind of hoping Butler. I wanted Butler to be my pick, but whatever. I'm so glad you let me go first. Right when you said that, I was like, "All right, I'm taking Butler." Um, I'm going to go with Draymond Green just to continue all this switching that we have going on, and he's essentially like a second big guy for me because I only have Joel Embiid on the roster right now, and he's been. Uh, you worry about his shooting, and it's. It's ironic. I think you can make a case that, like, the Warriors need to be concerned about their shooting. Like, everyone except their top guys are, like, not shooting well from three-point range. Green is at under 32%. Again, he's at 312 right now, but he's just so good as a passer. Um, the lineups where he plays without Kevin Durant or Stephen Curry lately have not been great, which is probably a red flag, but I just, I, again, he's doing less defensively, but I appreciate everything he does, and he's just a super fun setup guy to have in a game like this to me. And, you know, if anyone's among the few players who might play defense in this playground affair, it, he's probably one of them. Um, okay. I got no problems with that pick. That's, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with towns. I know I already have two big guys. <laughs> You're just going with all front. the Kentucky big men. possible. <laughs> That's funny. I do. I didn't even realize that. I've got Davis, Cousins, and Towns. Can you play um, them all at the same time, please? That has to be a prerequisite. I'm gonna try. That's for sure. His number, he like his raw points are down for obvious reasons this season. Um, he's taking over four fewer shots a game, but he's shooting 41.2 percent from three. Did you realize that? I, I had no idea his three point percentage was that high until like. like 30 seconds ago. No, I actually uh, did not until you said it. I didn't realize that was high either. He's been trying and doing a lot better defensively too. Yeah, and I was going to bring that up too, but I... Um, I spoiled I it. Say, I it well, it doesn't matter in this game. Um, it does if you're rolling out three bigs at the same time. <laughs> 20 and 12, uh, 2.3 assists, 1.6 blocks. This is crazy. His effective field goal percentage this season is 59.1. That's like elite shooting guard territory so maybe i can alleviate some of my spacing issues with all these kentucky bags um because they all kind of shoot threes now and especially carl anthony towns so he is going to be my second reserve and my my first big man off the bench um i mean i could probably argue that pick but it's just really funny that you have cousins anthony davis and towns on the same team um, I'm i'm very happy with it and it was like purely happenstance so i'm i'm going to pick Damian Lillard, who I think a lot of people, including Damian Lillard, uh, were worried. I was tempted to pick him. 
Yeah, but go ahead. I mean, he's ha- he's he's been like so good this year. Uh, he's so much better defensively, um, which has helped the the Blazers as they've been one of the better defensive teams this year. They have not been particularly great on offense, but he's hitting thirty six point four percent of his threes, which is it's not like a huge rate, but he's attempting around eight per thirty six minutes, and and like to me that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, he's averaging a career high or no, of the second most assists per 36 minutes of his career. He's one of the best tough shot makers um, in the NBA. He has uh, the steady free throw rate that always seems to be like in the .3 area, which is a great sweet spot for your, your point guard to have. And I, I kind of just appreciate, again, the, the effort that he's put in on the defensive end. We talked about him meeting with owner Paul Allen, um, according to ESPN's Chris Haynes, which was kind of random. But he seems so just invested in the Blazers, and, and I really like that. And when I don't want to get too serious because we're talking about all-star teams here. He's just It seems like he has the perfect like style for the all-star game. He's essentially like where he pulls up from three is like where the Rockets just have Ryan Anderson camping out all the time. Yeah, like I said, I was tempted to take him. I agree with everything you just said. Um, his 36% from three, it, I think that's heavily influenced by November when he shot 31%. In December, he was at 38.6, and this month, he's at 42.3. So that number is actually trending up. Um, so that is a good pick, and especially for your team because you had a lot of bigger guys it before would, that it would be really fun or it will be really fun in theory to see him and career right on the floor at the same time too like that's just like absurd you got to do it i mean his yeah he's just been in three of his last four games he's hit at least four three-pointers so he's I like he's just he's that's what's really because he was kind of struggling earlier this month um he started one of six uh, in a loss to Houston from three, two of 11 in a loss to the Pelicans, then two of six. And just over his last four games, he's shooting 51.5% from three. And I mean, he's like, he's, he, he's essentially just, it feels like he's one of the most underappreciated yet automatic guys from the foul line. Like he's just going to shoot basically 90% from the foul line every year. You can count on that. I'm here for it. This is really yeah. only the first year he's ever shot 90%, but he's always hovered around that area. And he hit one of those like tough, super long pull-ups just the other night against Denver that you were talking about. And those are, those are definitely always fun to watch. Um, I'm going to take Westbrook, who you really hate you mentioned. Facing. <laughs> well, I've got Curry. He solves all those problems, right? Um, <laughs> just him. Yeah, it's enough. You mentioned Draymond Green as maybe a guy who's actually going to try hard in the All Star game. Russell Westbrook brings it every single time and now i have him and anthony davis who had 50 in the last one so i've got a couple guys who are going to really try hard um boy i don't i don't know what else can be said about russell westbrook at this point he's for the second year in a row nearly averaging a triple double um we i said this about butler their season kind of hinged on when he decided to take over i feel like the same thing kind of happened with the thunder when he when he went back to sort of 2016 2017 Russ things really changed for that team um he he certainly has his flaws he can get a little bit out of control a little bit too um ball dominant but he's he's climbing the stats leaderboards over the last couple of months and like I said this is a great forum for him traditionally he's been really good in all-star games so I'm going with him reigning MVP is like what our our fifth selection among reserves (laughs) Which is incredible because it's yeah, a lot it's crazy. About the NBA just so much pool. talent. Yeah, 
Um, you know, since I'm kind of I'm picking like to win, so I am <laughs> I am like trying to build a roster that fits. Fired. I'm going Clay Thompson, which is funny because we talked about him as a potential guy that could come off. I want him just on this team. One because it's really fun to see Steph have to go up against basically the Warriors, like just go against those guys. Um, and then I mean Thompson's a guy you want in the All Star game just because he's not going to do anything flashy. But like he'll, you could just throw him the ball and he's going to stroke threes. Like because everyone's wide open anyway, and there's a chance that he'll have the best three point percentage of anyone actually um, in the game. And I, again, you can appreciate his defensive versatility if you think that he's actually um, going to try. I will say this, which is the risk. This is his fourth All Star appearance. Do you care to hazard what he shot from three through his first three cameos? I don't think you would ask me unless it was surprising one way or the other. So I'm going to say 20%. Okay, he's at 24%, 6 of 25. Yes. That's a risk, but you know <laughs> what? I've got a Tentacumpo, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, some of the best shot creators, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard in the game. Things are going to be okay. Okay. Jeez. Um, this is already getting kind of tough for me. But we have we have chronicled well the fact that I already have three big guys, so I, I'm kind of wary of adding another one. Um, you might as well just pick Kevin Love. Was, it hurts. That, There's that no cross my mind like right as I was saying. There's no that. more Kentucky bigs left on the board. There is a Kentucky player though. There's a Kentucky point guard who played with Demarcus Cousins, but he's one of the guys that I said probably shouldn't even be an All Star. So I'm not sure I can take him here. Um, <laughs> Gosh, I'm really torn between Oladipo and Lowry. I am going to take uh, Victor Oladipo. It's a solid pick. Um, he's another guy we've talked about a lot this this season. It's kind of funny that he makes the All Star team and Paul George doesn't. I think that was a pretty quick storyline after these were announced. Um, of course, Paul George is in a much tougher conference to make the All Star game in, but. Oladipo, who, I mean, we, we did podcasts. We talked about him in the Sustainable or Not one, I think. And Yeah, and I just crapped all over him. That was awful. <laughs> it's crazy. Shout that out he to Kevin Pritchard, who now follows Hardwood Knox on Twitter. Maybe he heard oh, us really? like, eat crow. That's awesome. So. Um, yeah, hopefully he hears this, too. We are among Hopefully he doesn't. He'll unfollow us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, there's so many people on NBA Twitter that were just flat wrong about that deal, and I'm more than willing to admit uh, that I was one of them. His numbers just have not cooled off over the course of this season. He's still averaging 24 points, five rebounds, four assists, shooting 48% from the field, 40% from three on six attempts. Um, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but hearing him, I think it was on Woj's pod when he said that seeing the way Russell Westbrook worked last season really inspired him to just overhaul his body and his game over the summer and i the transformation is very much evident he's like the leader in the clubhouse for most improved player too he's been he's been fantastic this season i i can't argue with that pick i mean you have he i mean he's been good off the ball too so you can even that's, argue that's one of the playing. reasons i wanted him instead of lowry uh because kyle lowry's not good off the ball is that what you just well <laughs> maybe, yeah, I was going to say, maybe that's, since he certainly has to play off it a lot with... Uh, DeMar DeRozan is running more than twice as many pick and rolls as <laughs> Kyle Lowry this year. So yes, Kyle Lowry has to play off the ball. 
you got me pretty quick on that one. Um, and uh, that's exactly why I am going with Kyle Lowry for my pick. Um, he is shooting. Uh, his effective field goal percentage on spot ups is fifty six point seven, which is solid. He's averaging one point one one points per spot up possession, which is just you know on in a game like this where he's gonna have so many other ball dominant guys around him. I I kind of want to see him. Um, play the Clay Thompson role. You just spot up and, and dr- drill them. I will say, so over his last 30 games, his true shooting percentage is 61.3, which Oof. is still, like, incredible. Over how many? 30. So, like, more than half. Oh, wow. the, I mean, because yeah, he started off cold, um, and that's just nuts. He's He's been so good. A lot of people probably, I mean, DeMar DeRozan has stolen the headlines, and, and rightfully so. I still value Kyle Lowry overall just because of what he does simply by being on the floor without the ball, and DeMar DeRozan isn't going to have that same impact just yet and probably maybe never will. Uh, but but Kyle Lowry, he's just he's a workhorse, um, and you, he's a guy that I think, anyway, you assume that he's not going to play a ton of minutes in an all-star game, but y- you can put him in there, and he's just going to um, come off the bench and, and do some work. He was 5 of 9 from three-point range last year in the all-star game as well, 7 of 11 from the field overall. So you know what? G- give me Kyle Lowry, who's going to get buckets. I was going to say, he's another guy that seems like he might actually try hard in the all-star game too. Um, yeah, for people that are clamoring about Ben Simmons or Kemba Walker not being in there for sure. Yeah. Well, he's if, if either one of those guys had gotten in, he's not the one that would have gotten bumped. Um, and I, if people are saying that, they're wrong. Um, all right, I'm going to add more shooting. And in the form of a guard, again, and I'm taking Bradley Beal. I was about to say, I guess you're not taking John Wall. Yeah. <laughs> Although isn't Wall's three point percentage kind of up this year? I, I'll have to check that. He's just he just takes so many like him. junk shots. I can't. I like, yeah. I can't. He certainly doesn't strike you as a shooter. That's for sure. He is shooting thirty four point eight percent from three, which would be the third highest clip of his career. But I mean, you know, in this contest, he's already on the season. He's taking twenty five percent of his shots from between sixteen feet and the three point line, where he's yeah, shooting I don't, I don't under thirty percent from the year. So yeah, get that out of here. Um, in contrast, Bradley Beal is actually shooting a career low three point percentage, but it's still thirty six point eight. Um, he's a career thirty nine point four percent three point shooter. He's averaged uh, over the last two seasons twenty three point three points. Um, he doesn't do a ton beyond scoring, but he does enough. He's he's basically three and a half rebounds and three and a half assists over the last two seasons. Um, so he's not strictly a scorer, but. That's what he's going to be on my all-star squad. Um, like you mentioned earlier, we need some spacing, and he's going to help us get that. I have no qualm. I feel like that was basically your only pick. Yeah, I had to. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Al Horford just because it's I like, like to anger the points per game purists. Um, before you made that pick, all that was left was Horford, Love, Porzingis, Aldridge, and Wall. So four big guys and John Wall. Yeah. But anyway, so, Shade with Horford, yeah. I'm just I, – I mean, you know how I feel about Al Horford. He's He does, like, so much of everything, and he's never going to look – he doesn't look to score much, but he sets really good screens. Um, he's an excellent passer, has more potential assists this season than Giannis Attentacumpo. Uh, he's a, he's a is, big, Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's um, it, it is crazy. And it, it, Kyrie Irving is Boston's primary offensive maestro. He is – and I wrote about this in NBA 100. He's the author for most of its crunch time heroics. Like, he's the guy, 
But in a way, Horford is like just the more comprehensive safety valve. And I keep coming back to their on-off numbers. In the time that Kyrie Irving has played without Al Horford, the Celtics are a solid plus 2.9 points per 100 possessions. In the time Al Horford has played without Kyrie Irving, they're outscoring opponents by 8.4 points per 100 possessions. That's that, a huge difference. He's just so yeah. valuable. And just everything he does, um, and if people have a problem with him making the All-Star game, I can't even, I'm sure they watch basketball, but just watch him more closely. I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, it, it dates back to that whole, like, Bulls playoff series where they thought that Robin Lopez was abusing him, and it was like one game that it actually happened. Uh, Al Horford is is a phenomenal player, and I want him on my team. He'll throw passes from the post. And, and he's just, isn't he shooting a zillion percent from three this year? That's the number of the day. I'm pretty sure he's at, like, he was in the 40s. Uh, the Azalean has made a few appearances tonight. 43% from three. 43%. Wow. And he's taking 3.6 attempts per 36 minutes, the second most that of his crazy. career. That is crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I got no problems with that pick. Um, You're jealous of it, is basically <laughs> Do you use uh, the impact tool for those on-off numbers? Of M- NBA.com, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know that existed until like two weeks ago. Hence my, like, waterfall of all those impact charts a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, always thought the, I always thought the only way to do that was NBA Wowie, and then the guy who made that site came out before the season started and was basically like, yeah, I'm done with it, because I, I just, it's too much. Right, and the, <laughs> the other thing was, is NBA Wowie's numbers just seemed to change. Like they were the always same, a little yeah, bit different, different yeah. for sure, yeah. I loved NBA uh, Wowie, but the NBA.com um, impact tool has been fantastic. How long has that been around? Since um, the beginning of the Did season, I believe, it? maybe the maybe oh, the off season. season. It was. Okay. I think it came around at the end of last season. Maybe it's been around for a, it's been around for a minute. I can say that it really is incredible. Um, if anybody wants to go play around with that, okay. Um, so I I had to pull up a player comparison between Kevin Love and Lamarcus Aldridge for my next pick. Really, the big separation is Kevin Love takes. Um, four more threes per game. He takes he takes like uh, five and a half more per thirty six minutes. Mm-hmm. His true shooting percentage is six percent higher than Aldridge's. Um, and then what separates Aldridge the other way is he just statistically is a better defender. Um, but I don't really care about defense in this setting. So I'm going with the guy who will give me a little bit more spacing. Um, and I, I really I don't have much more reasoning beyond it than that. So I'm going to go with Kevin Love. And that leaves Aldridge, Porzingis, and Wall. Um, I'm probably going to catch some crap for this one. But I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Chris Stops. I'm going to play a little bit of the Homer card here. Um, I don't blame you. He's still, I, I mean, we talk about not caring about defense, but he's still, uh, to me, it's it's almost a wonder that he's, a, he's as good as he is, given that the Knicks just use him so poorly. Um, and playing him at power forward is a perfect example. They seem to have been, though, I will say over recent weeks, kind of uh, using him more. Uh, at center which has allowed him to con- be a rim protector more he's just even when he's a power forward he's still such a good rim protector and uh this is a great one for me so of the 51 players have contested at least uh 150 shots at the rim this year 
Only one player is allowing opponents to shoot a lower percentage at the rim than Kristaps. One, well, I guess the only question is, can you guess who that player is? Better defensive field goal percentage at the rim? Yeah. I have a feeling you're going to whiff on it because I was a little bit... Because Kristaps was first for the longest time. And then Pau Gasol... Oh, whoops, spoiler. Pau Gasol is <laughs> no, first. I would not have guessed that. You're correct. Pau Gasol, of the 51 players who have contested at least 150 looks at the rim, has the best defensive field goal percentage allowed. It's, a, it's pretty amazing what uh, Popovich has done with the end of Pau's career. And, uh, you know, Kristaps, <laughs> he has not been good uh, on spot-up opportunities this year. He's averaging under .95 points per possession as a spot-up shooter, which for everyone at home is, is terrible. Uh, field goal percentage <laughs> under 34%. He he doesn't pass the ball enough. M- m- the thing I keep coming back to is, one, the Knicks don't get him like quality looks. He has to create a lot for himself. When he's in the post and he's not passing, yes, he's missing reads, but they're not sending all these guys as cutters and having people make beelines toward the basket. They're not doing things to incentivize him to pass. Uh, his demeanor needs to change sometimes, but I still think that he's going to end up being a top 20 player in this league. And, and he's probably closer to top 25 now than he is top 50. So um, I'm just still there. And I, again, I know defense doesn't matter, but he, he's still very good on that end of the floor. He's better in space than people give him credit for. And that's someone, if you look at this roster, I mean, running a pick and roll with Jared Jack or Tim Hardaway Jr. or even Frank Nilakina is one thing. You get to run it with Giannis Antetokounmpo or LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Tyler. Like, it, he'll just he'll it's going to be better, home. yeah. <laughs> okay, so I am I'm down to LaMarcus Aldridge or John Wall. Um, I already have Towns, Love, Cousins, and Davis. Do I want a fifth big man? Um, gosh, this <laughs> five, is hard. If you have five big man, you better roll them all out at once. <laughs> I'm definitely going to. I I have way more big men than you. That's for sure. You've got Porzingis, Embiid, and Horford, and I guess we could say uh, Draymond. Oh man, I don't think I could go wrong either way. I, I could make a convincing argument. Yeah, your team's going to lose either way, so just go with what you feel. <laughs> I'm putting a poll up of, uh, on this after we finish recording, by the way, so we can get a, a real objective answer. Um, um, I think you need to save it for when the podcast is published so that a link can be included on this poll. There you go. Good call. <laughs> I'm going to go with John Wall uh, just to, I don't know, pair him with Bradley Beal, for, change of pace. For what it's guard. worth, I think that's the right pick given the cosmetic makeup of your team. Yeah, I've already got four bags. Um, and that gives you four Kentucky guys. Yeah, I've got the Cousins Wall connection. I've got Wall Beal. Um, I think a lot of people on Twitter might uh, prefer John Wall to Lamarcus Aldridge, so maybe that'll help me get a couple votes there. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with John Wall. That leaves me with Lamarcus Aldridge, and it's interesting that he ends up here just because I think when you look at this roster, he has the least all star game of anyone, right? Would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you know I would what? agree. Yeah. That's fine. He's he's been fantastic. We talked about that a little bit before. Uh, he takes tough shots and just makes them. I, I was shooting over fifty percent on all fadeaway jumpers is absurd. Like just like that's nuts. Um, he's been pretty good as a stationary rim protector this year. If you if you care uh, an iota about defense and the Spurs offensive rating falls by a, about seven points per one hundred possessions when he steps off the court, 
which is, you know, that's saying something. He's been a lifeline in Kawhi Leonard's absence. And let's I let's like let's say this. Lamarcus Aldridge is the best player right now on a team that's going to have the number three seed. Is that's gonna win more than fifty games in the Western Conference and contend for a number three seed? Like that's just that that's I, I don't know, that's a testament to still his value and it kind of puts a nice little bow on like the wacky off season the Spurs had where he requested a trade and then all of a sudden he yeah. gets an extension. So that wraps us up, yeah. Yeah, so I'll read off my team. Um, okay. my starting lineup is Kyrie Irving, Giannis Attentacumpo, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, and off the bench I have Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kristaps Porzingis, and Lamarcus Aldridge. Okay, I've got Curry, Harden, uh, DeRozan, Davis, and Cousins starting. Off the bench, I have Westbrook, Oladipo, Butler, uh, Love, Towns, Wall, and Beal. <laughs> I, I said that very slowly because I was bouncing around on this spreadsheet. But um, I like my chances. I, I was not as high as I definitely do not. <laughs> after we picked the starters, I was a little bit wary. Um, but I feel like I just steamrolled you on the benches, so we'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until, uh, so like, like Dan said, I'm going to put up a poll on this so we can get some real feedback. Um, let us know who you think did a better job of drafting. Uh, vote on that poll. As always, subscribe to the show. If you aren't already, leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell, um, every soul that you know. Um, I don't even mean to Go ahead. interrupt you. Were we going to get to the Cavalier stuff this podcast? I mean, we can. <laughs> um, I thought I, we would do that before the draft, but let's let's jump into it. Um, it was just I wanted your impressions on on the Cavs right now. Like, are they going to make a trade for George Hill? That's basically the report. Do you think George Hill helps them? Um, I, it, on the one hand, it seems like kind of low risk because it looks like it'll be Fry and Shumpert, and I saw Derek Rose's name out there, and maybe they got to give up a second-round pick. I, I don't think they should be giving up their own pick for George Hill, to be honest with you. They're definitely not giving up the Nets pick unless there's other pieces and teams at play. But I'm just – the Cavaliers situation has deteriorated at a team meeting. They singled out Kevin Love apparently, which is – it's just funny that he keeps like becoming the scapegoat there, um, especially – I just thought, I don't know. Their situation is so tough to get a hold on, and we might be laughing about this in a few months when they're back in the NBA Finals, even if they're about to get steamrolled by the by the Warriors. Did you? So first, I think George Hill does help them. Um, I, I actually think he might fit even better than a healthy Isaiah Thomas, as crazy as that sounds. If, if George Hill is healthy, I feel like that is the prototype LeBron James point guard. Um a guy who plays defense as long as he's on a good team, which he's obviously not right now. No. Um, <laughs> he'll play defense. He'll hit open threes, spotting up off of LeBron's drives. I, I just feel like he is perfectly engineered to be a LeBron point guard. Like you said, I think it depends largely upon the price, um, what he'll cost to bring in. But, I, I mean, if he, if he came over to the team right now, I, I, I would start him over Isaiah Thomas. I don't think Ty Lue would uh, have – the gumption necessarily to do that, but I, I just think he fits better. Um, His seven-foot wingspan is big. 
it's crazy it, for for, um, for like in theory defensively and he wasn't bad i'm trying to remember with the jazz last year because he was so injured all the time he wasn't bad defensively for them but again playing oh, with gordon good. hayward and angles and rudy gobert is a different experience than playing with whatever the, the hell case. cleveland's running out or, or that too yeah um I, he's he is absolutely without question a defensive upgrade over isaiah thomas and Derek rose um, even like a halfway motivated George Hill is going to do more defensively than those two. So, and then I just, I, I think his ability to catch and shoot as a floor spacer would be huge for that team too. Um, the Kevin Love stuff is really weird to me. Did you see those things that I retweeted earlier today about you, Kevin Love? You, oh, it was about Kevin Love or was it the LeBronisms? Oh, my LeBronisms. Well, you, that was my own thing. You went off on like all the shady shit that LeBron James has done He's throughout a, his career. So, I think I've said multiple times now that I, I think he has passed Michael Jordan in terms of just basketball. But he is a weird dude. Um, those LeBronisms I tweeted out, and I put links on all of these. I thought it was kind of weird that he congratulated his younger self on scoring 30,000 points. Was that not a little bit of an odd Instagram post? I, it was, I thought it was, <laughs> I can't be alone on that. Um, the other, okay. So the next one was, there was this ESPN story and I remember reading it when it was on ESPN by Arash Marchese and he just breaks down a night out on the town with LeBron and his entourage. And it's not, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's also not super favorable. And ESPN, without ever explaining why, just takes the story off the website. Um, Deadspin somehow had the foresight to screenshot it before it went down, so they have it up on their site. From, somehow, from, that's like basically... Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> Good call. I love Deadspin um, for that. <laughs> then the next one, I think everybody remembers this, he gets dunked on by Jordan Crawford at his basketball camp, and they like they scramble to get the video because they don't want it to see the light of day there's the lebron and wade mocking dirk for being sick during the finals which i that one's also pretty notorious there's just a lot of drama with him um and this i'll, I'll tie this all back to what's going on now it just <laughs> it, and it somehow it works for him because he's in the finals every year but i can see why people maybe get a little bit tired of playing with him it's not crazy to me that kyrie irving wanted to leave um, the Kevin Love stuff was really funny. I, I, like you said, he seems to be the scapegoat every single time stuff like this happens. Darius Soriano, who's at Forum Blue Gold on Twitter, he said Kevin Love should have just said I was sick of all y'all and walked out of that meeting. I thought that was pretty good. Um, Cole Lopez at Cole Lopez seventy seven. He's got a little dialogue going. It's Derek Rose says, "Hey, I'm going to abandon the team for a while. The Cavs, no problem." Kevin Love sneezes, and then he's got a gif of some woman freaking out in a room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one I retweeted was from Scott Howard, at Scott Howard 42. Derek Rose can go on a two-month sabbatical because he's emotionally scarred from how he sucks now, but Kevin Love, <laughs> but Kevin Love can't be sick on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> um, the Cavs are hilarious, man. If I was Kevin Love, I would... I would want out of there. Um, and that's not just because I'm a jazz fan who wants him to play for the jazz. Um, but yeah, what a circus. I, what do you think about everything? I, the, the, like I'm Kevin loves like whole, like I get it. Like he's not good defensively. Like the Cavaliers lineups with him at, at center 
they're a crap show. And you can argue, yeah, if they had more wing talent, which they don't defensively, playing him with Isaiah Thomas and J.R. Smith, it's just asking to give up, a, a, can I just say it again, a zillion points. I'm just going yeah, to come back. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> can we stop, like, like crapping on Kevin Love, though? Like, I don't, It's so weird. It's He's still, I mean, the... The dude's an all-star this season, and whether or not that means anything to you, he's posting the highest true shooting percentage still of his career. Remains a double-double machine. Like he's he's a champion too. Like this just needs to. It, it kind of it. And needs let's to not. End. And and um, part of this recent slide is Isaiah's comeback and Kevin Love's usage kind of falling off a cliff again. Yeah. I, I, I just I don't even know. I mean, he's even he's been good in the post this year. He's averaging about a point per possession in the post, which just for the record is good in terms of like post up scoring. Yeah. There's so many things you could do with him. I just on the right team, the Cavaliers might not be the right team for him. Him and Tristan Thompson, when they share the floor, are getting blitzed by 12.5 points per 100 possession, and that's one of the issues in Cleveland. Is we can talk about okay, yeah, uh, Tyron Lue should go back to Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love more, but that hasn't been working either because Tristan Thompson has quickly become an overrated defender, in my opinion. So I I would love to see him on the Jazz, and I actually came up with a trade that would get him on the Jazz. Let's hear it. Um, the, so it's a three-teamer between Cleveland, Charlotte, and Utah. Charlotte, oh, okay. Is Char- this the one you sent me? Yes. Charlotte okay. receives Channing Fry, Ricky Rubio, Amon Shumpert, Brooklyn's 2018 first-round pick from Cleveland, and a 2018 second-round pick from Utah. The Cavaliers get Favors, Rodney Hood, Kid Gilchrist, Kemba Walker, and Utah's 2018 first protected, lotto protected, top 16 protected, whatever. And then the Jazz get Carter Williams, who is in this for money purposes, and he's expiring, so could we just Utah fans need to chill? They get Kevin Love. And here's the interesting one for me, Isaiah Thomas. So we don't separate that Kevin Love-Isaiah Thomas issue that um, it seems – there was a report from Frank Gazzola of the New York Daily News that Isaiah Thomas was the one leaking stuff about Love. But those guys are supposed to be like <laughs> – I didn't see that. Yeah, those guys are supposed to be like – those guys are like AAU buddies. So maybe that's not true. But if there's a team out there that can kind of account for having both of them on the court at the same time, it's the one that's going to throw Rudy Gobert on the floor with Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles. Yeah, and also um, his contract's expiring too. So if it doesn't work out, you just let and you go. got out the big thing. Another good thing for the Jazz in this, I know a lot of people think that the Jazz are gonna will probably because I ran this by a couple other people and they were wondering if the Jazz were giving up too much. And Derek Favors is gone. Like I, I don't even care what your opinion it, is of Derek Favors. I split. Oh, even people. even beat writers like every beat writer that covers the Jazz has said. If they don't trade him, he's he's leaving in free agency. So so he's leaving. Rodney Hood, he's he's like Mister like on again, off again. It's he's just, been, but at this point, it's objectively a bad season. Yeah, despite so, the fact that he's averaging a career high in points. Right. There are some nights where his shot selection is good and he's making passes off the bounce and his defense looks okay. And then there are other nights where he's like just jacking these garbage twos and not making the right decisions off the dribble. And he hasn't been. Gr- like great defensively or as good defensively as I think he was billed probably two years ago. Uh, yeah, okay, so you lose him and that's big, but I, like you know, it's probably worth- all of that. Right for Kevin Love is fine, Kevin and Love's you're an getting all-star. out of Ricky Rubio, who hasn't even fifteen million dollar cap hit next year too. And you so then you have the option of so here's what happens: one, you just let Isaiah Thomas Isaiah Thomas walk, and you save that money. And then yes, you're paying Kevin Love, but he's probably making less than what it would cost to pay Favors and Rodney Hood. 
And then yeah. if you and do keep Isaiah Thomas, he's not at least for one year. He's not costing you fifteen million dollars a year in this like climate. It's just I'm gonna maybe he'll get twelve, which is fine for him. But I'll be shocked if he gets fifteen million dollars a year in free agency. And you're getting out from under Rubio, which could not have gone any worse. I didn't um, realize he was making fifteen million next year either in Rubio. Like I knew it was. I thought it was like which is still like at the time the trade was made. Everybody thought, oh, that's that'll that's be fine. a target for your starting point guard. We were probably but, thought that George Hill was going to sign like a four year, eighty million dollar deal somewhere though. That's why. Yeah. Um, did you see the thing I tweeted out about Hood and Burks the other day? No, I did not. Even by basically every measure, even Alec Burks has been better than Rodney Hood this season. Whoa. But there, yeah, it's, you know, it's Rodney wild. Hood like, gives you flashes, and that's the problem. So if you think he's like and the shiny object. And maybe that's the reason that he still has trade value, too. Right. I was about to say, you know what? You're, you're kind of like selling the Cavs off this deal. <laughs> well, hopefully nobody from their front office listens because I love this trade. I think it's good for them, too, because you're still getting Utah's first-round pick. I initially thought about sending it to Charlotte, but you're getting out of it. I think Kemba, Kemba instantly helps them. Um, he, he is like a miles and miles upgrade over what they've had at point guard so far this season. He's better Kid defensively Gil- than people think. Yeah, and Kid Gilchrist helps you against the Warriors defensively. Yeah, and like you mentioned that they don't have enough sort of defensive-minded wings. That's That's exactly what he is. Even Hood's an upgrade defensively over anything they have. Yeah, like J.R. Smith. He's probably their best defense. If if Hood gets traded to the Cavaliers, he instantly becomes their best defensive wing. And he's certainly, I mean, he's a clear upgrade over um, what Jared Smith has been for the last two years. And if I'm the favors, maybe maybe gives you a little bit of the sort of toughness and edge that you had with Thompson a couple years ago. I, I like it for Cleveland. And and if I'm Charlotte and I'm getting the Nets pick and you know, I'm saving, I guess, a little bit of money because you get out from under MKG's deal, I'm doing it. You're getting the Nets pick for Kemba. And the other thing is, yeah, I I love it for Charlotte too because, yes, Rubio and Shumpert both have two years left on their deal, but you're not going to be good for a couple years anyway. Right. It's it's well worth it to get that Nets pick. And maybe Shumpert opts out because he doesn't want to live in Charlotte or something. Who knows? (laughs) Get out of it even earlier. Yeah, I I, I think it makes it's a home run for all three teams. Um, Like I told you when you sent it to me initially, we got to call these front offices and sell them on it too yeah i'm all for it um i still think the Cavs are going to go to the finals right now like if they leave the roster alone i'm just not convinced that the celtics or raptors can get past them four times in seven tries and i also feel like we go through this every january with i know i would probably pick them too and it's funny like there's a bunch of people that are saying no it's different this time which i'm pretty sure i said those exact words last year it's different this time but um if i had to make a choice i'd probably still say cleveland they're not. And if, they're, they're, if there's one team that you think could challenge him, I'm going to go with Toronto. I, who would you pick? Ooh, I'd probably go with Boston. See, I'm already starting to sour on Boston, but I was wrong about them earlier in the season too. So they just they can switch so much, me. and they're a little bit more versatile. Well, a lot more versatile defensively than the uh, than the than the Raptors are. And the Raptors have been fantastic, but uh, I love that Raptors bench too. They're so dude. Dellen Wright's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, the last thing is Jalen Rose saying that he knows Kawhi Leonard wants out. Jalen Rose that was wild. saying Kawhi Leonard wants out um, from San Antonio. This follows a report from Woj, Zach Lowe, and Michael C. Wright of ESPN.com, three reputable reporters who published something that said that there's tension between Kawhi and the Spurs organization. In that piece, which I thought was very responsible of them to do, uh, R.C. Buford denied the allegations. We saw that Kawhi Leonard's uncle came out and denied the allegations later. 
Greg Popovich said something before the game tonight against the Cavaliers that they won because the Cavaliers are in shambles, uh, <laughs> that it's a non-issue and that it's not a soap opera. Um I guess there's not much to I just got jokes off from it because I just don't even view it like one of the things I tweeted was I yeah I didn't think there was anything super heavy in that report but I mean it's Jalen Rose like it's just how much insight Well I mean Rose even the to, even the Woj one I didn't feel like there was anything that was like damn it. whoa yeah Yeah that's fair Yeah But I, anyway you said what you were what were you going to I was just basically tweeting like the Spurs they say hey they're talking to Kawhi. You're a top five player who hasn't really played this season, but we're on pace to win 50 plus games and chase the number three seed anyway. And then Kawhi Leonard sets personal record for syllables used at once. Yeah, not good enough. Trade me. Like, can you the, the <laughs> ridiculousness of of that? Like, you know, it's just yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't really. Um... And for my trades article, I refuse to. I publish a weekly trades article for Bleacher Report, and you guys should check them out and get really mad at them. Uh, they publish every Wednesday. Uh, I refused to re- include Kawhi Leonard in it. I was just like, no, I can't. And I'm whether or not Jalen Rose like actually hears this. I'm not even trying to like dispute his credibility. I just don't. You know, I I just like I can't. Like it's not going to happen. And if the end, frankly, if the Spurs would... wouldn't trade Lamarcus Aldridge when he asked for help. They're not trading Kawhi Leonard because yeah. he's frowning more than usual. Um, yeah, that's a, a great point. I was just going to say, even if he wants out, I don't, I don't see why they would trade him anyway. He's not the guy kind of guy who's just not going to play hard because he wants to be traded. I, 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 he will bring whatever he has, regardless of situation. I feel like. Yeah, I don't. I you're probably right. Looking back at that report from Woj, Low and Wright, um, it maybe it it's probably just noteworthy because there's something wrong in Spurs land, and everyone said Buford to Pop. I actually never see quotes from Kwai really, but everyone seems frustrated about the way his injury has gone. That right quad, uh, and you can and just, like they said in the, I think they said in the article, it's just like yeah, we're frustrated with the injury. It's and, and it's like the same kind of frustration anybody would have with being hurt. Yeah. And not getting better. I don't. I don't know. Um, I guess that would do it. I did want to wrap up, and this is a non-Spurs thing. Um, is Tyron Lue the coach of the Cavaliers next season? Uh, I'm. I wasn't even sure he should survive to this point. So I'm going to say no, regardless of whether LeBron's back or not. I'm going to. I mean, no you certainly as, don't. I'm going to say no as well. Do you think there's a chance he could be fired this season? Yes, I do. I, I I think a lot is on the table with this team. Um, I I thought that report was a lot more explosive than the Spurs stuff. That people are like openly blaming Kevin Love for the team's problems, and then they come out later and say, "No, fingers were pointed at everybody." And the coaches were even at this team meeting. I guess um, they they have to do they have to shake something up. It seems like. It would be, uh, whether whether that's Teron Lou or not, I don't know. But I, I just feel like something has to happen. There has to be some kind of shakeup. Do you know what would be a very ballsy move by the Cavaliers? You fire Teron Lou, and then you give David Fisdale as much money as it takes to take <laughs> the job, not knowing whether LeBron James is going to come back next season. Because we yeah, know LeBron James loves for, Fisdale. Yeah, he loves Fisdale. What about firing Teron Lou and bringing David Blatt back? That's a good way to really just uh, – I don't even know what that says. <laughs> did you see the Blatt video the other day? Yeah, where he's like, I hope – did you – I hope my team doesn't give up as much points as the Cavaliers. And then did you yeah. see that his team gave up 151? Oh, no, I didn't even see that. That's yeah, awesome. They gave up more points than the Cavaliers. 
That is amazing. Um, uh, that, I still love that video. All right, do we have anything else we need to hit? We probably could, but, but we've gone past the time we wanted to anyway. Uh, I just wanted to, I mean, the Kwais, the, the Cavalier stuff, yeah, I'm glad like you, we had to hit. I'm glad you cut me off. That was definitely worth I don't covering. know why you wanted to stop talking to me so quickly. Today, <laughs> um, anyway, we, we have been all over the league and back. Uh, hit us up on Twitter to talk to us about the draft or anything else we talked about tonight or anything else you want to talk about. Um, Dan's at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor's at NBA Mass. Um, again, ratings, reviews, subscriptions. We love all that stuff. Uh, make sure you're doing it or you're telling friends and family to do it. Uh, until the next episode, we leave you with the shout-out to Bino Udri and Kyle Anderson. Should have been an all-star, Kyle Anderson. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.